here, let's do it again. Got, the whole the, thing over. No, because I can't say Babylonian. Uh, you just did <laughs> it right there. That's a great opening. I mean, you know, right there, because I, I can't say, okay, but she did quit her job to do this. So why don't you just listen up and find out how and why? It sounds like you just wrapped it up, Mike. This is Rachel from Knowing Nature, and you're listening to your Midwest Garden Podcast. Hi, this is Michael Work Garden Guy, and I got Scott Sandstrom right next to me doing what? Uh, I just became a fourth-year uh, rookie. I just became a fourth-year rookie. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. I will. I just became a fourth-year rookie. It's our fourth season, officially. The other two episodes were unofficial episodes. This is our fourth season, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year. Yay. Now, Mike, I have a bit of information for you. Please, Bill, and share. So, Mike, being the new year, did you know that instead of January 1st, the Babylonian New Year began at the start of planting season in mid-March? The Babylonian? Yeah, that one. That, that, that year, the one, okay, it started in March. March, planting season, mid-March. Well, okay, no, I didn't know that. Calendar-wise, Happy New Year, everybody. But oh. If you want to do the Bab way, then you got to wait until mid-March. Okay. Happy New Year in mid-March, everybody. We're going in accordance to solstices. Today, Mike is finally the big interview. Da, 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 da. We get to talk to Rachel from Knowing Nature. Rachel Haber, founder of Knowing Nature. And because we've been, in the past two episodes, we tried her uh, kit. Well, the, we found out what the difference between sprouts and um, basically microgreens and how they're grown. But, you know, the nutrient base on either one of them is far superior than the stuff you're going to be getting out of your own ground in the backyard. And if you listen up, you're going to find out how and why. And this is how dedicated Rachel is to this project. One of the questions that they always ask presenters on uh, Shark Tank, are you still working full-time at your job or is this product your full-time job now? So she has officially quit her job, and she is 100% into this product. Because she's passionate about sprouts. it. Yes. Yes. Now we're running really rich. I want to find out, Rachel, how we did. You, you listened to the very first podcast. You heard us do the update when the things are up and growing and how we were, you know, cutting their heads off and munching away. I want to know what you thought as far as, how we introduced ourselves to this and how we expressed what you wanted us to, to these other folks, because I think this is just fantastic. And we got people, Scott was just talking about how people were listening to this thing. And on the update, it got a surge. Um, how did we do all together? I, I heard both of them about growing, about planting the microgreens and then the update on how you did. And I thought you did great. I was, and the best part was how much fun you were having. It sounded, or you tell me, it sounded like you were having a lot of fun with the planting and then the harvesting. Well, in earnest, I, you know, if, if I can have fun like a 10-year-old, why can't 10-year-olds? And this isn't just to discover um, <laughs> basically how things grow, but it is. And it's organic. I mean, it's a multitude of things. Yes, it is healthy, first of all. I was amazed because I'm not really a salad eater per se, but I do like vegetables. 
But when Scott said, hey, this is the radish, are you sure? We can't tell which one germinates first. And then he goes, well, taste it. They go, you can't taste radish. It's going to be in the tuber down below. Well, you know what? It was in the growth, in the green that was up top, and it was rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to tell you, I had COVID, and I, I lost my sense of smell and taste, but I can taste bitter and I can taste sweet. And this radish came out just gloriously. It was cleaning up my sinuses. It was giving me everything that I thought a full radish would do and give us. So is this, did you do this strictly for, the, for the benefit of, of children on education or health or what? The first time I grew, I think I had the same experience that you guys just did, had, where it just sparked so much joy and so much curiosity in my home. It, the way I started, it was about three years ago, and I was trying to teach my three little kids how to garden in our apartment. And we didn't have a lot of space and we didn't have a lot of sunlight, um, but we were ambitious. So we grew a lot of different things, including microgreens. And they were just the biggest hit with everyone in my home. They were really fast. Within a week, we were eating them. Every day there was like growth to check out and we could touch them. Um, and the flavor, like you just described, it's like packed with flavor. And when we started growing a new batch, because while all these other things were growing, we were ready to, we ate all the microgreens that we had growing and we were ready to grow some new ones. And it was when I started replanting to grow like the next batch, that's when my, the gears in my head started turning because that's when I started experiencing these challenges. Um, at the time I was working full time, um, my three little kids, they were, they're still quite little, but they were even littler. So it was like a really busy time for me. And I didn't have all this time to like fuss with the greens in the morning, um, in the evening, but we loved checking on them. Like I wanted to, to check on them in the morning with the kids before I took them to school. And in the evening when it was time to eat, like I brought this tray over to the table so we could cut it and add it to our food. And I wanted to have all that. Um, but all the equipment I was using is the, the greens themselves were so easy. We had just grown them and they were so, um, simple and straightforward to grow, but all this equipment was clearly not designed for our lifestyle. <laughs> like they were very, everything was really hard to use. They're really big. Um, I didn't have the wherewithal for like grow lights and racks. We were growing by my windowsill and I had to like bring a chair over to hold this tray. Um, I think the first time we grew it, it was a 1020 tray. Um, and then there was the lovely experience of one of my kids knocking the tray over once, which was why our current trays are tip resistant. And it's very important to me that they're tip resistant. Um, bottom watering was so messy. It was just, there were so many challenges. And I said, you know, there's gotta be a better way. And that's when I started my head started turning, like the gears in my head started turning. And I thought like, well, there's got to be something out there for, for us in our home so we can like keep enjoying these. And when I didn't find it, that's when I decided to go ahead and create a planter myself. I, I got to tell you, you are educating more than your little people. Uh, we're talking to Rachel Haber, founder of Knowing Nature, <laughs> and it's really getting to mo- know more than nature itself because I've even got a bunch of questions that I didn't even know about until you brought it to my attention or Scott's attention. One of them, which you brought up, you know, the, the, the cluster, the, the, the equipment, the, let's just say the, 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 I'll call them a flatter, the container. I did, I did know that styrofoam emits PCBs. I did know certain plastics emit PCBs. You are offering everything is going to be organic and contaminant free. How did you discover this? So that came when I was looking at um, what the plastic of the containers was made out of from the from the garden center. So when you go to a, a store, garden center, or you buy online like the little the 
the little cells that we often see at the garden center that have like sure. our plants in them. Um, I thought to myself, well, I'm growing in this a lot. You know, I'm going to be replanting in this thing over and over again. What is this made out of? And often I couldn't even find that little marking. You know how that we the, there's like markings on the pla on the yep. plastic containers that we get from the grocery store and other places. And in a lot of the gardening tools, I couldn't even find a marking on some of them. And then when I found markings, they weren't. Um, Sometimes it would be one of the um, food safe kinds, but it didn't say anything about BPAs. It didn't say anything about phthalates, which is a, a, um, something that we're learning more about, that it's in a lot of the plastics that we use and could be detrimental to our health. We just don't know enough about it yet. And so I said, you know, if this is going to be something that we're reusing all the time, especially uh, for an edible, right, that it's got to be something safe. So all of our trays are made out of uh, plastics that's BPA and phthalate-free and um, certified uh, food grade by the now, FDA. Now you said they got to be state. They have a staple or not a staple, but they're printed on there that it's certified by the F FDA and EPA. We didn't um, put anything um, about the certification. The plastic itself that we use, and we source it all in the United States, and part of the reason is so that I can feel confident in that I know that this is what they what my manufacturer says is in it, is in it. Um, and I have a great manufacturer in the U.S. who's a um, family-owned business, several generations. And um, on the container itself, you'll see that it says BPA-free and phthalate-free. Um, I mean, you're, yeah. you're growing strictly in... in with a conscientious attitude toward growing health and growing healthy. You, how many, you've got, what is it, would you say two little people? <laughs> I've got three, three little people. You got three, congratulations. Thank um, you. And all, I mean, this is a works in progress where the three of you are basically watching this and getting entertainment as well as education out of this, correct? Oh yeah, it's it's developing a relationship too, and that was one of the things I loved um, in the very beginning, especially when I was taking the planter into classrooms, um, because as, as new as microgreens were in my home, I felt like no one around me had grown microgreens in our in our urban environment, um, and I brought them to all my friends' home apartments. I brought them to all my kids' classrooms, and it was new for them too, and it was amazing to see that they developed. It was helping them, these kids who don't necessarily have any outdoor space or have very limited outdoor space. And also we're all busy, right? So they just didn't have as much experience um, with the outdoors during the year, especially in the winter. I'm in New Jersey. I was in New York City at the time. And it gets really cold for most of the year and it's hard to be out experiencing nature during that time. And um, these kids really uh, started, it made them think about where their food was coming from. And I, I became like a celebrity amongst all the little kids. And their parents were coming up to me telling me about how they're saving the seeds from their lemons and their oranges, oh, really? talking about what can, can, how can we, can we grow this? We should grow that. And asking about what kind of a container. Someone asked me what kind of a container they need for carrots. And it was just, it was wonderful to see. You really develop a relationship with the food, which is something um, we all, it, it, we all, well, your listeners probably don't need to be reminded of it, but um, having a connection oh, yeah, with do. gardening is is so meaningful. And it really, it sparks, it's like something inside us. Like we all, and that's where the name comes from, actually, where knowing nature came from. I said, you know, this is part of our human nature. We all want to know nature. We all want to get closer to nature. And Well, we're um, part of it. Yeah, that's right. And it, it sustains us as much and we want to be part of it and we want to know more about it. And this is a tool for, for everyone. It's really, there's so many, I can, I'd love to talk about that too. Like all the different people who, who, who can experience microgreens and gardening this way. For some of the rookie gardeners like me, Here even though I'm yeah. in my fourth year now, 
Happy, mm-hmm. happy New Should've Year. Should have graduated. <laughs> uh, could you give us a definition of a microgreen? Sure. So taking a step back, like what does the whole process of micro- growing microgreens look like? It's um, start to finish. It's seven to 10 days, depending on the variety. And what it is, is microgreens are, are planted in shallow trays because the roots actually don't need a lot of space. They're, they're only growing for a week or two. Um, the trays will have a growing medium in it. You plant the seeds really close together um, because again, they're not gonna grow so big. We're, we're allowing them, so we wanna grow as many as we can in the space. And you're going to bottom water them or water from the top when they're before they've sprouted. And once they start sprouting, they're all going, they're gonna grow quite fast. And every day they're going to, there's gonna be more and more growth that you can see. Um, and they'll grow to be about four or five inches tall, depending on the variety. And that's when they're ready to cut and eat. And when you cut microgreens, you're just holding them from the top and using like a scissor or a knife to cut along the soil line. And that whole process happens from the time you plant that seed in the soil to the time you harvest it um, in about seven to 10 days. And it can be grown under natural light on a windowsill, which is how we do it, or under grow lights. And then bam, you have nutrition. Well, you have good nutrition. Most nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning, even before starting Knowing Nature. What was your interest or or what was the light bulb that went off for you to say, I'm going to buy all this extra gear that you said you wanted to condense, thus your <laughs> your tray concept. What got you going? with? Uh, was it microgreens? Were you trying something else and then found out microgreens were easier or more helpful? What What is that backstory? Well, I grew up in a city with very limited outdoor space. We were very lucky to have just a little patch up behind our townhouse. And I always loved it. And now my, at the time, I think my kids were maybe one, three, and, or one, four, and, and six, um, and getting up there. And I felt like I wanted, I wish they had that experience that I had. I loved going back there and I loved like playing in the dirt and I loved playing with the, the grass and picking up bugs and things like that. And it was so nice. Um, and I said, well, it's now or never, what am I waiting for? So let's bring some, some things for them to experience, some plants. And I went and I, I don't think I was an expert in any gardening field at the time. And I got some house plants, I got some containers to grow like tomatoes indoors and a few different things. And among them, I came across these things called microgreens, which I'd seen in restaurants and in supermarkets. And that's, I think, where most people learn about microgreens for the first time because they garn- they're really beautiful and they've, uh, chefs have known about them for years. They, they garnish the plates with them. And um, they're also really accessible for the chefs, which is cool because they can be grown uh, indoors or they should be grown indoors, I should say. And that way people are growing them in like vertical setups or in greenhouses all around the country, like really locally. You're not bringing them in from like far, far flung places or transporting them long distances. Um, so I'd seen them and I'd had them before and they just started appearing, I think, on supermarket shelves. But I said, um, oh, I can grow these at home. Let me try that. Like indoors, let me try that too. And that's what got us started. Well, here's the, now, see, you, you said that you grew up in the city and you had a little out of patch of grass. It reminds me of a book or a little short story, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn type of a scenario where there's very little, but there's people that are curious as to where and how and why. You are strictly, with you being a parent, are, are interested in only growing organically, is that correct? I wish I could grow only organically. Our kits are organic. The seeds are organic. I care very much. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great practice. The organic um, 
growing methods are so good. You know, if only everything could be organic, it could be great. But anywhere we start growing is, is value add. Our kits, though, we, we try to make keep as much of it as organic, like the soil and the seeds, um, so that you can really feel good about what you're growing, that you're doing something that's going to be great for your health on all, on all levels. Yeah, we discovered a long time ago that there is really no standardized routine as far as growing, nor certification. Now, if you wanted to spend the big buck, there's things like, you know, Omri, which are going to um, allow mm -hmm. you to put their stamp on your products and say, yeah, we recognize this as being organic. But again, organic, anything, now that's a, that's a word that's abused. Anything and everything, including the plastic that you have, is a derivative of oil. And that oil is carbon, which comes from the earth. Anything with one carbon molecule can be and will be considered organic. So I think you're on the right path right now on putting in yeah. natural products, growing naturally, so that everybody's going to benefit from the nutrients that you're getting from it, including the plant. Yeah, that's right. And it's the positive mindset, too, about, you know, if you want to jump to the end of everything being organic without first learning to plant the seed and appreciating like the work that goes into it and how to get a healthy plant and how to eat real foods, right? It's um, you're, you're, you're skipping a big part of it. So um, as much as we like to, to keep it as much organic as possible, I, I want to get people planting because it's that first step of is probably the hardest step. And from there, you're just naturally going to go towards like best practices and what makes you feel good and what makes you feel healthy. All right. Pop quiz time. Mike, did you know in Japan, when you finish reading the Mancini newspaper, you can plant it? I read it all the time. Its pages consist of recycled paper, water, and seeds of flowers and herbs. And it's one of the most widely read newspapers in the country, 5 million copies a day. And they have a picture of seeds sprouting. I mean, sprouts coming from out. From the newspaper? From the newspaper. No kidding. Because I know people that are using the newspaper and have been, it's been a practice to prevent weeds from coming up. Yeah. And to keep the nutrients in, but never incorporated with the seeds. Your, your seeds are in your newspaper. What kind of seeds are they? It doesn't say. Well, it's well. I mean, it says herbs uh, and flowers, but it doesn't say specifically. Are they legal? Well, in Japan, apparently they are. Well, a lot the of stuff is different. Than, I mean, okay. <laughs> so there's. No, that's your, cool. No, I didn't. Really, know wasn't that. a quiz. It was more of a. You wanted to trip me up, and you did. I think it's cool. But yeah, I, I like what but Rachel's just, doing here. Well, I've I've had this information for a little while, and just because of the visual showing sprouts, I'm like, man, this has to go in this show. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. Let me ask, uh, as far as your backstory with knowing nature, uh, from the time you realized that you wanted to do something to the time your product hit, uh, I assume uh, with knowingnature.com that you probably went website first. Uh, with all your homework that you had to do as far as what was in the tray, you know, sourcing seeds and all that, what was that? Uh, how long did that take you <laughs> along with raising a family? That was a wild ride. That took probably about a year and change between that initial idea of like, why don't I create a planter? 
to when I had the first product in hand and we and the website went live. Um, the planters, I used to, th to, when there was just designing it, I used to 3D print them. If you're familiar with 3D printing, it's a very yeah. fast process. And I would 3D print it, I would test it out with, at my, in my kids' classrooms and in my friends' homes, and then I would tweak it based on the feedback. Um, There's a lot of science that went into the planters. And when it was finally ready, we started manufacturing it here in the, like I said, here in the US, that was very important to me. Um, our plastics also sourced in the US, and so is all of our packaging. And our website nice. went live um, in February 2020. So February 2020, we launched our website. We were focused on group settings at first, actually. And within three weeks, like everyone's world turned upside down. And my three kids were home. All the schools closed. All of, you know, the world really changed three weeks later. And there was a time, like you said, that it mustn't, it wasn't easy. Um, there was a time when I was worried that knowing nature might not even be able to get started, you know, was dead before it, it, it even had a chance. But it took a little while. It was a little, it was quite hard, but um, we introduced it online. It wasn't being sold online at first. And we introduced it as a kit. And the response immediately was great to the kits. And then we started getting a lot of people asking us just for the planter, which was really cool. Because um, that didn't occur to me in the very beginning, that people would just want the planters. And folks who were already growing microgreens saw, said, great, now I can have, you know, several of these on my windowsills instead of the different big setups that they were doing, which were, which, like I said, was really tricky. Um, so the kits were doing great, the planters were doing great, and then, um, and that took about, it was two years, two years until we really got a lot of steam going. And now we're actually, we're in stores too. And that was a really awesome. exciting change, yeah. As well, a local store is there any type of chain yet that all of our listeners in the Midwest would recognize? Mm. Um, I think you guys would know Oakland Nurseries, so we're in at least one, maybe a couple more of their stores. Oakland, Dublin, for sure, and because um, you guys are in Ohio, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's our store in Ohio, and we're in stores around the country. We're in uh, over forty garden centers. Some of them are chains. Um, if you know Portland Nursery out in the if you're if you're all the way out um, out west in Ohio we're in Oakland Dublin and in Illinois we've been in Wasco Nursery for a while um, and in Pennsylvania you'll find us at El Exotics and we're actually hopefully going to be in a few more places in Pennsylvania this upcoming gardens gardening season in the spring. Well, we'll have to get you into Black Diamond here in Toledo. Our sponsor, my wife's place. She, yeah. Oh, the please. Business. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. I've, I've already started talking with the buyer. Yeah. He, he's been schmoozing her a lot on this. No, she found it really interesting, too. Jane, his wife, basically got a brand new kitchen. And I slipped. Scott didn't tell me to shut up. I, I was over at her office, you know, because I'm very comfortable with the company that she and her family owns. But I said, yeah, we're making a mess out of your kitchen planting. She goes, what? I said, well, yeah, we were putting, putting stuff up. I just got, I hope you cleaned everything. And so I got the riot act, but I didn't tell Scott. Following day, Scott goes, thanks. So, but basically this, he has very, very little light. And I mean, he was having a hard time trying to figure out. And I'm going, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. Well, you want to carry on with that one? Well, first of all, for the listeners just listening to this one, you can go back two episodes on the microgreens and listen to the initial unboxing video of the K 
kit that Rachel sent us and us, Mike and I just threw up a quick microphone on the table and we just kind of started going at it. You hear the water running in the sink and everything is just... We didn't even read directions. No, no. Well, we read them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. we had a couple of... (laughs) bolts and screws left over so yeah and then we did a quick follow-up like seven days later of our progress so go back and listen to those and then you can come back and or just finish this one now because it was a success although rachel did send me an email and uh laughing at us because we put uh two seeds in one tray as an experiment most people do one and one and one yeah we didn't take into consideration that there's going to be germination time spans for each plant and we didn't have a tag that we put down well because you're supposed to use one for each and we guessed by tasting and we found out what radishes really do taste like and it's not just from that tuber down below (laughs) correct (laughs) yeah yeah the greens they're they're sharp and I, what you said oh, yeah. earlier about how it cleared your sinuses, that's totally right. It's like very, um, it's, you know, things in the brass, radish are part of the brassica family of plants, like broccoli and bok choy and mustards. And those things are great for our health, great for us. What do you have, uh, four seeds available now that you can purchase? Four different varieties. Right now, we have four different varieties. And what we're doing is we're always looking for um for varieties that our focus is home growers. Uh, everything we offer is, is supposed to be really easy to use and um, will grow under natural sunlight instead of requiring grow lights. So yeah. uh, we're always testing out new seeds and checking them out. And we have a few new seeds that are going to be offered real soon, both in our kits and um, set to, for purchase separately. And we want people are to try out new no- things. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you got no, me going no, go, on this one. Are go these ahead. going to be uh, knowing nature seeds? Be, they're packed and they're going to be shipped to the gr- the growing station in our kitchen. Um, it's not going to be Burpee. It's not going to be other name uh, brand names. It's going to be your brand, right? That's right. It's our brand and we source them here in the U.S. Um, we're, like I said, we're always testing out different seeds because the idea is, is we're going to do that work of figuring out what grows well as a as a microgreen. That means that they have good germination, that they have a, a fast grow, growth cycle, that they taste great, that they'll grow under natural light. We do all of that vetting. And then only then do we offer the seeds. And the root structure does get pretty hefty because uh, after we were done harvesting our, our crop there, Mike. Yeah, we're farmers. And we, I, I, when I was cleaning out the tray with the medium, I, I turned it over and it's like, wow, that's a lot of root structure. Well, this is, oh, yeah. now see, here's my turn again. I'm, Mike, my, you, you struck up some things. And from what I wrote down on the list versus what I'm going right now, the seeds, first of all, you're getting, are they coming from naturally grown seed producers or plants? I mean, it's always the byproduct of the parent plant. And if these seeds are coming from a healthy parent plant, which you obviously are doing, then you don't need to give them any nutrients because the yolk sac is already in the seed. They've got the nutrients in the seed. And once they grow, you're getting actually a a clone almost of what the parent plant was. The beauty of of those seeds and of eating um, microgreens is that at that stage, you're right, just about everything they need was contained in that seed nutrient-wise. And they're actually at the peak of their nutrition in their life cycle. And if you actually yes. want to compare um, pound for pound 
the microgreens versus their mature counterparts. So for example, you grew radish, right? The radish greens yes. versus actually full grown radishes, which take a few weeks to grow pound for pound. The, the microgreens are going to be much more nutritionally um, beneficial. They're gonna have a lot more nutrients than their mature counterpart. And um, you asked about it earlier about like, so what's the, the health benefit? And that's probably the biggest reasons, uh, one of the biggest reasons that people grow microgreens is because you get so much nutrition in just a little bit of, um, of space. And so for example, some examples of that are that um, like garnet amaranth microgreens, um, when you compare it to their mature counterpart, they're gonna have 11 times more vitamin C and like four times more vitamin K and, um, that's what I was looking for. What the, the yeah. ratio of microgreen versus yeah. an adult plant in eleven times oh, yeah. is quite a bit. I, yeah. I was thinking, t I was thinking three, two, three times, which is impressive enough, but eleven times. There's and it, it, there's so many examples like that. For example, um, in red cabbage, that's probably one of the ones that um, the numbers are really uh, incredible to see when you're comparing red cabbage microgreens to their mature counterparts. You're going to get six times more vitamin C, you're gonna get 40 times more vitamin E, and 260 times more beta carotene, which is a nutrient we get, micronutrient we get from, from plants. So you're getting multiples, tens times more of these nutrients in the microgreen because it's at the peak of its nutrition. And what's beautiful about it is that to get that, you don't even need to add any fertilizers. You get, they get most of what they need from the, the seed and the sun. Well, the plant itself, it makes its own food. I mean, come on, it's called photosynthesis, and each one of those leaves <laughs> is actually a photocell, or we want to call it... What? Solar panels. Solar panels. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, they'll follow, and if you've watched solar uh, fields, they follow the sun. I mean, they're following what Mother Nature's been doing for a millennia, or even longer than that. So you've basically cashed in on a gold mine right here, not necessarily <laughs> monetarily, but nutrient-wise. For, with microgreens, that's absolutely right. And you know, the, 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 we could talk about the health benefits of like the, the micronutrients that you get from it. Um, there's also live enzymes in the plants, which are really good for our digestion and, and chlorophyll, just like folks who drink wheatgrass juice, right? They're, they're getting that uh, really high dose of chlorophyll, which is super healthy. But probably the biggest health benefit is what we were talking about earlier, about the joy of gardening, that experience. Um, now, it's taken me 40 years to learn all this stuff. How did you do this in the last three years? <laughs> well, I really wanted it. That's what, I, that's what I did the most. I really wanted to have that, and I really wanted it for my kids, and I was so happy to share it. You know, giving is that, you know, we just went through the holidays and the new year, and um, that it, giving is, is often so much more than, than getting something. You know, it feels so much better. And when I would give somebody... Um, that joy in their lives, like help them experience it where they, where they couldn't experience it before because they didn't have the tools or the space. Um, and even to give them what I still, every time I, I harvest microgreens, I always have a few growing um, at home. And every time I harvest it, I still get a, a kick out of it. And it's still exciting. And the best is when I get to give it to someone else, when I get to harvest them and put it on someone else's plate. And when I see my kids eating it, um, that's always the, the best feeling. You just kind of answered possibly my pop quiz for you. I gave Mike a pop quiz, mm -hmm. and yours was going to be, how many trays do you have growing on your windowsill at home right now? Mm -hmm. So right now I have four trays. Four trays. Really? Yep, I've, got, I've got one with radish. I've got 
um, which is almost eaten down. Um, we almost finished it. <laughs> I've got one with red cabbage, which is ready to go. And then I have two with broccoli because broccoli is actually my um, my kid's favorite. How right are you going to harvest the cabbage? I mean, the cabbage comes out on a leaf. It doesn't have a stalk first. And so, I mean, Scott and I were decapitating the radish as well as the, the bean or the pea. How do you do, do you do you let it hit a certain stage after about 10 days and then go ahead and whack at it? Yeah, every plant, every one of the microgreens is different. So it's like a different experience harvesting them. Like the ones that are taller, like the pea shoots are really easy and you can just yeah. um, hold on to it real easily. And things like the radish, it's, it's about taste and about, I, I like to harvest it when I'm going to eat it. When I really don't have the time to make it, anything with it, and but the, the greens are ready, I'll still harvest it because you want to hit it during that sweet spot. So for radish, um, I'll get, when they're about three inches, I would say, or four inches, that's when it's the best to, I like to harvest them. And Radish you I, harvest at three inches? Yeah. I, well, oh my. So radish, if you let them keep growing, radish is actually unique because it's one of the few microgreens that even if you grow it past its ideal time, which is about seven or eight days, it's not even 10 days, it's seven or eight days and it's ready to cut and eat, it's perfect. Um, but if you let it keep growing, it'll still stay delicious and it'll just have a few more leaves. Um, it'll just be, they'll just start falling over because um, they want to keep growing. They want to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but the trays, you know, are, are limiting them. Um, so they might fall over the side. But yeah, I like waiting until about, about three inches to get them. Um, and, but they're ready when, when they're one or two inches, they're still delicious. Um, other microgreens like pea shoots, you want to really harvest those at the nine to 11 day mark because once you let those keep going, they won't be as sweet. They're the sweetest at nine to 11 days. The trickiest ones are the short ones. And uh, that's also why I like waiting a little bit if I can get away with it. But like kale, which is really tasty, and the red cabbage that I have going right now, those are really tasty, but they're short. So you really need to uh, get a nice hold of it before cutting it. Just as a reminder, everybody, we're talking with Rachel from Knowing Nature. You can hit up knowingnature.com and get all the information that she has as far as uh, microgreens and what she's offering for sale, uh, the nice trays, the anti-tip uh, and chemical-free type of tray. I mean, if you're going to grow organically, you got to start from the beginning and the thing on the bottom is the tray. So why shouldn't that be organic too? Mm-hmm. Are you discovering certain things like uh, I keep telling and Scott's getting bored with me telling this, but people forgot how to grow after World War II. Um, basically, people were growing and preserving their own foods. They took it for granted. They'd make it easier, better living through science. Well, everything became a derivative of oil, including the nutrients that were coming in. But then we were planting in the ground that we, you know, industrial process, heavy metals, things that the plants are going to absorb. And we're going to be basically, you know, absorbing it also while we're eating those plants. You've got a medium that is cocoa core. Um, is there, I'm going, did you find out or are you doing your research to finding out what did grandma or great grandma or great great grandma do? I'm learning right now with urban farming that it's a cultural thing too. Greens, okra. I mean, there's certain definite products or plants that people basically want to and need to grow. Are you looking forward to doing some more research on this? I love learning about um, soil science. And it was something that when I was developing it during that year and a half of developing the product, 
I spent a lot of time doing different mixes of soils and sourcing different like the cocoa core from different places. And we actually use for our soil products, we have a, a, our kits include the, the cocoa core discs because they're just, it makes it so much easier to like um, store it. It's really compact, but we also offer soil products and hopefully we'll offer discs that have so, um, like have organic matter in it in addition to the, co the cocoa core for exactly the reason you say, because there's so much more that goes into healthy, um, to, to growing a plant and healthy growth and what goes into the soil and the land. And it's really, when you're outdoors, it, it's really unique to, you know, the, the, where you're living or where you are. But when you're doing it indoors, you can really create that. And something that I think is really, um, meaningful is the biology that's in the soil. So for example, when our soil product, we actually include uh, worm castings. Have you ever talked oh, about worm castings you. on the show? Oh, I love worm oh, castings. Oh God, we were, you know, Scott's wife's company, the nursery and the garden, we were, see, this is started in 1952, but they've carried these things over forever and ever. And people are, it's like they're rediscovering. Earthworm castings mm -hmm. are basically the byproduct of everything necessary and needed to, for a plant to go and absorb and process its own food. It's like magic, is what yes. I like telling people. Do you know what, I, when, I, when I would go into the classrooms when I was first testing it out, we would mix the soil ourselves. It wasn't just cocoa core, it was cocoa core. And this is what you'll still find in our soil products. And cocoa core, worm castings, and uh, sand, a silica-free sand, so it doesn't have any like uh, dust. And the what sand is to allow- emulsion? I haven't what gotten about there fish yet. But, uh, oh, I see. I'm well, talking over you. Worm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I know, I, I know about it, but that's to work that into a, a dry soil product might be a little, uh, might be harder. I know it is a liquid. I don't know if it comes as a, something dry, but the worm castings, what was amazing was when I'd first go into the classrooms, I would take the, the separate ingredients to show them like, this is what, this is what you need to make a healthy soil. You need the cocoa core to hold the water, the castings to give nutrition, like to give the, and to put in some live biology in the soil that'll, um, that's available to the plants and then the sand to let in air. And I would take the, cu uh, the cup of worm castings and I'd have each kid, I wouldn't explain what it is, I'd have each kid smell it. And they would, I'd say, what does it smell like? And they'd say, it smells like water, it smells like dirt, it smells like, like wind, like it doesn't have any kind of a smell. And then, you, then I get to tell them, well, it's worm poop. Oh my gosh, yeah. the whole room would erupt. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> and it, it's really like, but you see their brains working because they're like, what? Worm? We forgot, like you said, we, I think we did, um, we lost a lot of that, that knowledge that got passed down from generation to generation when things, we didn't have to do it ourselves anymore. Um, but what, we've, what we're relearning, a lot of people, I think that's what happened in COVID too, what, what a lot of people are rediscovering is, um, one, that it's very empowering to grow your own food. It's very, you know, it's, it's very soothing and very comforting to know that you have those skills to do that and you're not just totally dependent on others. And also that it, we're like built for it. It's in our nature. We want to be growing. We want to be working with plants and soil and it feels good. Um, so, but worms are magic. The, 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 and what's actually really interesting from a microgreens perspective is that the castings have um, the the nutrition the nutrients in the castings as opposed to let's say cow manure or chicken manure or like some other sort of compost the nutrition that's in the worm castings is um, water soluble and it's so when you water your plants even from the very first time that nutrition is uh, immediately available for the plants and that's why. When in our soil product, we use worm castings because you're only growing for a week. You need it to be available right now, not in when it breaks down in a few weeks.
So I'm going to say that COVID, and I kind of thought about this when it was happening, that it was like almost like a world reset and that the world was out of control, that COVID came in and the world reset itself a little bit as far as technology and just people just going crazy because and companies like yours and other garden centers and stuff made out tremendously as far as teaching people again, the basics of growing tomatoes. And we, you know, we had a ton of people coming in like, you know, I want to build a planter or we're going to be gardening with our kids for the first time. But you were, you said you were worried, you know, you're about to launch and COVID hit. And I personally, I think COVID, you know, was a tremendous asset for your brand new business. Divine intervention there. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it works both ways. It was great for us, but I was really happy to be there for the folks who were excited about growing because it really did give people this spark of encouragement and maybe, yes. you know, getting them over the hump that they, you know, the push that they needed, because if it's not something they were already doing or if they were like me and they were just really busy, um, and they just wanted to, but maybe they just didn't get around to buying the, the tools for it or, or realizing they can grow it themselves. COVID gave them that push that, you know, you can do this or why don't you try this or this, this could be great. Um, so that was that was great for Knowing Nature. And I'm really we're really happy to be helping folks now that we're in garden centers as well. Um, it's we see it as a real underserved market. You know, folks, they don't know that they can grow this. And when they do, they don't have a huge amount of options. Um, and we want to be there for them and for the garden center, our garden center retailers, helping them, you know, serve this market and create it so that folks, they know where to go when they need a, a tomato cage, right? Yeah. Well, we're here for, they, they should go to their garden center too for when they want to grow microgreens. Exactly. And I will tell you over the holidays, my son's girlfriend was in town and she's a vegetarian and we were uh, one of our Christmas Eve, uh, we just kind of basically throw a bunch of appetizers together and people just munch. So I, I was, my wife and I were making some strombolis and she goes, oh, I'd like to make a vegetarian version. And she goes, what do you have here that, you know, I can throw in? And so then it's like, well, wait a minute, I got a bunch of these microgreens that I I haven't eaten yet. I mean, we've been, you know, Mike and I were taste testing and I said, I got some. So we threw those on into her stromboli and, uh, you know, she was happy. I'll tell you, I took a picture and put it on Instagram. It was a beautiful display. It looked good. And yeah, it tasted good too. So, uh, I, so that was, well, that was awesome. Sharing. Yeah. You're not allowed to have anybody. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so she, she got all excited about this. So you had sent us two kits. So I said, here, take this second kit oh. and you do. She has a TikTok uh, account with, account with yeah. where she does cooking stuff. And she has a bunch of followers and all this. And so she is going to op uh, grow the kit and then do a TikTok thing about it on her thing. So uh, it's like here and then, you know, have fun with that. Let us know how that goes. We want to see it. So that, that'll be interesting to see how she goes through that process. Uh, sort of like That's we did, so cool. but visually. That's so cool. Yeah, this is, you know, it's it's so much fun to work into meals. And it's so if you want, I could give you so many of uh, the ways that we like eating them in our house. They're really versatile. Do you have a cookbook? Like, 
Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I'm just trying to get, I have three kids to, that, that, that look to me for their meals right now, so I'm still just, just getting them fed. And okay, what, you, don't want, you, want, you don't want an additional million more people looking for ideas? Oh, I'd love to. No, I'd love to. This is, it's like I said, feeding other folks uh, food that you've grown yourself is so exciting. And seeing, and you know, something the teachers used to tell me, and I see it in my own kids and their friends. You would not, they couldn't believe it seeing these three and four and five year olds and even older kids in other classrooms, you know, walking around with these greens and actually eating them. If any, anybody who's tried to feed, you know, vegetables to kids will know that some kids take to it, but a lot of kids don't. And it takes a little bit of uh, coaxing. But when you grow it yourself, it's so exciting. Like they're, they're so, they can't wait. They pull it out. At, you have to make sure they don't pull out the roots too and try to eat the dirt. Um, you yeah. just want to, just the green. But my kids, um, my my ten year old in particular, she likes pea shoots, and I like to joke that she'll just take the whole planter and just start like biting it, like turn her head sideways and like take a bite out of them. So we joke that it's like a goat came through and, and uh, it's like grazing on our windowsill. <laughs> yeah, graze, graze um, window. But, but that's yeah, a good and, thing. It's wonderful. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. And we we eat them on our eggs. Um, the kids really like them on pizza. Um, I happen to, I eat a lot of eggs, so I, I like mixing them in my eggs or putting them on my eggs or Never putting the egg right on top. Oh, yeah. Eggs, it really goes well. Um, they go well with cheese dishes. So like the, like you were saying, the stromboli. Um, they go with roasted veggies, any kind of roasted veggies you're doing, if you throw it at the end. The only thing you want to avoid with microgreens, which is interesting, you want to try not cooking that much because um, the heartier the ones... Nutrients. Yeah, the hardier ones can handle it, but you're getting the most nutrition really when it's um, just being wow. harvested. Yeah, and the ones that are hardier like pea shoots, um, wheatgrass, those, if you want to, I'll put those in eggs um, or I'll just, or even the other ones, I'll let the hot food touch it because um, they say that the, and this I don't, uh, um, I know it applies to full grown greens as well, like the kale we buy at the store, um, that when it's a little bit cooked, just slightly cooked, it actually makes the nutrition um, a little more bioavailable. I don't think it's the case with most microgreens because they're so uh, delicate already. But um, for the hardier ones like pea shoots or wheatgrass, you can you can give it some heat or mix it up and it'll it'll still be it'll be good. As we kind of wrap up this episode a little bit, for those of you that end up buying a kit from Knowing Nature, dot uh, com or from the stores that uh, Rachel mentioned earlier, you get a water tray, the in, uh, the planter tray, the insert. Um, you get your cocoa pucks. Watch di- it. No, no, no. You cocoa, can say that on cocoa on, on, cocoa disc, but Mike calls them hockey pucks. That's what they are. You get your seeds, <laughs> and every um, each seed packet that you get comes with a nice i'm going to say it's like a maybe a five by seven card that has pretty pictures instructions um each one for that specific seed Uh, on the back side i noticed they were all specific to that seed so you can read about when you're supposed to do it da 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 one two three four couldn't be any simpler if mike and i did it well demographics quickly before scott cuts me off who is the the, the primary, um, showing the primary interest, uh, basically, in, in knowing nature, Rachel? What we see uh, of folks who are buying it, it's a lot of people who are either buying it to enjoy with their families, like kids, or their grandkids. Um, and we also have a, whole, a large number of people who are buying it to uh, because they 
they grew up gardening and maybe now they're a bit older and they it's it's harder to um, you know bend down in the garden um, or when it's cold out it's it's harder to be outside um, and so we certainly sell yeah, so a lot of like uh, a, a lot of people are buying it, and it's and it's interesting. I thought that more folks would want to buy it in the like the north, where it's um, we get so many months of cold, and then we can't grow anything outside, right? This is an amazing right. thing to grow during the winter and the fall. Um, like it, it, you know, the outdoor weather has not phased our my my microgreens growing at all because it's all indoors, and you can definitely grow even on a chilly windowsill, which I know you guys experienced, right? You were worried that it wasn't germinating yeah. fast because it was a colder room, and it'll slow the germination, but it grows just fine even in cooler rooms um, so it's something to enjoy all throughout the winter and the fall um, but we're but a lot of folks are buying them also in the, the south the southern states where it's it's warmer so we really get a lot of different people enjoying it and the cards everything we put in the kit like the instructions and um, the suggestions on how to enjoy them and the whole idea is it's making this complicated what's which shouldn't be a complicated process because the greens are easy it makes the whole thing easy and you don't need to be an expert that's actually if you want to talk demographics that's the biggest um, probably the biggest thing we see it's folks who are not professional farmers and they're not they don't own greenhouses and they don't necessarily have uh, homesteads you know they're, they're growing even in their small spaces or they're growing and sharing it with little kids or um, in, in their apartment. Yeah, Mike Mike wanted to cheat when we were doing ours. He's like, oh, I know you, don't, you, don't your store has grow lights and maybe don't. if we take it to the greenhouse. I said, no, the whole point you, of this is that you, I could throw it on a windowsill in an apartment in Chicago or in New York or whatever and get nutrition right there. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> and uh, and well, uh, bingo, it worked. I love that you brought that up, though, because I, the, the planter, our planter, um, a big part that I didn't mention at all, actually, is that it's super reusable. This is not going to break or bend. You can see it when you, you, I'm sure you guys saw that it's super durable. It's dishwasher safe. And the idea is now you have a tool. Once you have that, you can buy it as a kit and it comes with everything you need. And then after that, now you have this tool to grow microgreens for years. And you don't have to do it. it uh, we offer soil and seeds. We do that because we want to help people. We want to give them those tools so it's really easy and seamless because we do, we'll do all that testing. But actually, now you have this tool that you can use yourself to grow the way you'd like. So if you want to grow with sunlight on your windowsill, you can do that. If you want to grow under grow lights, you can do that too with these. You can grow with I love this woman. Yeah, you can grow with cocoa core, you can grow with soy potting mix, you can grow with your own seeds. It's meant to be a tool that now you have what you need to keep growing microgreens for years to come. Thank you, Rachel. I'm out of the box now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So you mentioned sprouts, and we're not talking my cat that assisted us during the, loves me. the growing period or the, <laughs> the unboxing video. Sprout was right there in our noses wondering what everything... S sprouts versus microgreens, you say there's a difference. There is. So sprouts and microgreens, they actually use the same um, seeds for both. And they're both really nutritious, but the difference is uh, that they're grown in really different ways. Sprouts, which we might you might recognize as those like whitish, curled up, um, they have the seed attached to them still. You'll see them at restaurants and in the supermarkets. They're grown in water, and you actually have to wash out the water several times a day. Um, and they don't have any color because they're not usually grown in the sun, so they're like white or yellowish. The microgreens, on the other hand, we grow them not in water. We grow them in some sort of a growing medium, like. And uh, with our kits, we use cocoa core or potting mix 
They could also be grown on mats like hemp mats or hemp fiber, uh, cocoa fiber mats. And they're going to grow and hit the sunlight, get sunlight. Um, and the difference is a few days. Sprouts are ready usually, I think, in four or five days. Um, microgreens are one to two weeks, depending on the variety. Okay. Now, see, this is where I was basically, because it, it technically, you're allowing the, the plant to take its own course and what it does, how it grows naturally in its own, what it was designed by. Let's say it was a, a intelligent design or whatever, but it was growing in a medium, which is considered to be a soil whereas the water itself is aquaponics or hydroponics, and you've got to put in nutrients in there because, like you said, when the color comes out, they're just basically like a pale green until they put nutrients in there. And then that basically gives them the green color. But you got the bacteria, you got the bacillus, you got the microorganisms, you got the uh, uh, micronutrients that you're getting into the root system from the soil too, aren't you? And the soil is a lot more than just something to hold on to it. The soil is a whole right. has a whole life of its own. And the more complex the soil is, the more it gives to the plant. What's beautiful with microgreens, though, is because it's such a short grow time um, from start to, to harvest, um, just one to two weeks in most cases, it, it really doesn't require much. Like less is almost more when it comes to that soil. It's got everything it needs. Yeah, and, in our in our experience of our, our test grow, our batch, batch number one, because <laughs> I'm going to start batch number two now that the holiday craziness is over, but we're going to do batch number two. But batch number one, I mean, it, it was very simple. Once we had everything, you know, followed the instructions with the amount of water to put in, drain it out, and then I put it on that window seal, close the door so the cats don't bother it. And that's when I was afraid it was a little cold, but everything came out perfectly so that was not as much of a big deal well this is where less is more scott you were there worried you. about the water you were worried about i mean well look, and i put it in the tray and it's not wet yet what's the problem and then three days later you're going they're just beginning to sprout why aren't they up and growing yet <laughs> well see this is where scott basically is he wanted everything to work but he is it, once it let's say day number five came in we gotta slow these things down when do we <laughs> harvest them um so but and then and then so after that point, after that point, all I did was check that the hockey pucks, as Mike put it, the cocoa was uh, heavy. If it was heavy, that meant it had moisture in it. When it got lighter, I would add a little bit water, you know, let it sit for two minutes as instructed, and then uh, you know, drain the the water basin and then put it back together and, and let it go and boom, boom, boom. So all this is so much easier, so much easier compared to sounds like aqua. Yeah, the, the, water, the draining is a great point that you bring up because the, bot, um, the best way to water microgreens is through something called bottom watering, where instead of pouring the water on top where you have a lot of greens growing and you're gonna get the leaves wet, the best way to water them is actually from the bottom by um, immersing the roots in water. And that's something that we took into account with this, um, with our design that it's really, e we wanted it to be really easy, the whole process. So it, this is really easy to bottom water. There's a space to pour the water in. You can actually see the water absorbing. You can see when there's no water left. And if they've, the, the plants have had enough to drink and the water, um, there's still water there, then you, you can see that and then you'll know to, to discard that water so they're not actually sitting in too much water because we know that like a lot of plants in our homes will often suffer from too much love by watering them too much. 
So in this case, you'll see that right away and you'll be able to just dump it out um, with our two-piece design. And too much water would yellow them out, right, Mike? It's called damping off, yeah. If, if yeah. You're basically flushing all of the nutrients that they have in like it. Like they iron away from it, right. so there it turns yellow. Yeah, you, this, the, we really want um, the watering to be uh, not a stressor, to be super easy. And this way you can easily get it in and out. Rachel Haber, founder of Knowing Nature, thank you. Uh, is there any way that we can continue to uh, be in contact with you, especially if you get your cookbook out? Um, and the reason, the logic behind this is, is I want um, Mrs. Sandstrom to, it, it, she likes to cook. Scott says he does, but I want to be able to play with all of this from the time of the seed all the way to the harvesting to even putting it in eggs. I mean, I want new ideas. I know from what you told us in this interview that the nutrients that you're getting here are seven to 10 times more valuable and more nutritious than if you were to grow it in your own soil or buy it from the grocery store. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm, on my Instagram, I like uh, I try to share a lot of recipes, but I'll be working on that cookbook. And as soon as our new seeds <laughs> come out, I'd love to continue talking about it. I'm happy to talk anytime. And we can even take a deeper dive on some of these topics, like how to cook, how to different foods to eat or different seeds to grow. And we're going to have new seeds available uh, soon before the growing season, before the spring season. And I'll make sure to send you those so that you'll get to try those out as well and tell your listeners about it. Uh, knowingnature.com is a website and you mentioned Instagram uh, what's your name for those social media that people can tune in onto sure the best is um, it's at knowingnature uh, the website's knowingnature.com and we're at a whole bunch of garden centers so you can check out your local garden center um, to see if they have our planters or seeds or kits um, and more to come ahead of the spring season Thank you so much, Rachel. This has been awesome. And it was, I'm just telling everybody as a review and yourself, it was so easy to do. I mean, it's it, so fun. It really yeah, was. Mike had, Mike had a great time. He was. I still am. I mean, yeah. never mind. We'll go into that. After he made show. me do all the work and he just got the giggle. You did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Scott. It's been my pleasure. I'm so, I love hearing about the experience. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.